This podcast is designed to entertain and inform, not provide medical advice. You should always consult your doctor when it comes to your personal health or before you start any treatment. Hi, I am Peggy van de Plash. Welcome to my podcast, The Microdose Diet. As a former banker and venture capitalist, I did very well. Well enough to now pursue a new passion and that is psychedelics. While everyone looked at me as a hugely successful banker, they did not know on the inside I was suffering. Anxiety, depression, and stress had totally overwhelmed me. I was essentially miserable. I had tried many forms of healing, but it was not until I was presented with a psychedelic option that my life changed. I microdosed a small amount every day, and it allowed me to remove that daily stress and anxiety, and I began to embrace life again. From this experience and in coaching others, I have created the Microdose Diet. And each week on my show, I will talk to a variety of experts from multiple fields, medical, scientific, psychedelic. I will also welcome high performers who are and were, as I used to be, on the emotional break in order to help them by using the formula that saved me. Welcome to my podcast, The Microdose Diet. Good day and thank you for tuning in to a new episode of The Microdose Diet. My guest today is John Kamin. So John is the co-founder of Fresh Minds, a platform bringing you everything you need to know about psychedelic retreats. So he's going to share his insights on the psychedelic industry and in particular about his interests pertaining to psychedelic retreats. My name is Peggy van der Plash. I am a former banker and venture capitalist. I now speak and write about the psychedelic industry and of the benefits of strategically microdosing psilocybin. I created the Microdose Diet, a 90-day plan for success and happiness. And you can follow my work on Substack, LinkedIn, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So, John, thank you so much for being here today. It's really a pleasure to have uh, to have you with us. Oh, same here. Thank you very much for having me, Peggy. No, no, that's great. So um, I really, really want you to explain a bit more about Fresh Minds, what is the business model, and why did you decide to focus on psychedelic retreats? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we started Fresh Minds actually in the summer of 2020, and it was myself and a few partners who had worked together in the the cannabis industry Mm -hmm. and found that, you know, for founders to join an industry that's really sort of nascent like that, you know, the rules really haven't been established yet. The big global players, you know, from a digital perspective, the Googles and the Facebooks of the world sort of reticent to participate. It leaves it open for a lot of really interesting opportunities that otherwise they would sort of come along and swallow up. Um, and maybe most importantly, you know, once you start to get to, to meet people in those industries, you find that it's it's just you're working with people who really kind of want to help each other. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a very different dynamic. You know, you're all sort of building this together. And, you know, 10 years out, there's probably going to be some who were more successful in doing that than mm-hmm. others. But in those early days, you just get this real great sense of camaraderie, which which mm-hmm. is very different than I'd experienced elsewhere. So we decided to, um, you know, we were all working very well together coming out of cannabis. And in the summer of 2020, we all said, hey, you know, let's let's look at what this next thing will be. You know, we're, we're consumer focused people. So we run Mm -hmm. digital businesses that are 
very much sort of B2C. And, you know, in the psychedelics market, which is so early and and so, you know, um, ill-written uh, in terms of sort of the rules there and where, where those consumer opportunities are, it wasn't really clear to us on day one what we should do. In fact, yeah. I recall, in fact, we, we interviewed you probably 18 months ago <laughs> in the summer of 2021. Um, you know, as we spoke to people in the industry, really got a sense from, you know, different stakeholders, what different people were doing. Obviously, pharmaceutical development was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. 99% yeah. of the activity yes. and conversation, and that's that's not us. Um, and when we looked at different consumer models, we said, hey, you know, everybody's sort of, you know, there's some buzz around ketamine clinics, and it didn't seem like we could really be helpful there. And, you know, in digital, at the end of the day, if you're not helping somebody, you know, solve a problem, you're not really doing much yeah. of anything. So we're like, okay, I don't think if you live in Cincinnati and there's one infusion clinic, then we don't really need to tell you where it is, right? You can yeah. figure that out for yourself. So probably in the summer of 2022, as we're sort of you know, interviewing people in the industry, getting to know who's, you know, who's doing what. It really kind of congealed for us that, you know, the retreat market, um, as much as it's growing substantially today and there's a lot of interest in it, and it's sort of entered the zeitgeist in uh, certainly North American uh, sort of culture and Western Europe as well, um, it's only going to continue, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be a tremendous amount of growth as new jurisdictions open up either on a decriminalized basis or fully legalized. Um, as more and more people get pulled in, you know, they start to speak to people they know exactly. who have had good experiences yeah. and are sort of passing that back. It really just starts to build. So at a certain point, uh, sort of last summer, we said, you know what, this is the consumer opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. Um, let's really understand who the audience is, who that consumer is, what it is that they need and what it is that, you know, no one's able to provide. So that was kind of the, the, the beginning of our path down into, into retreats. So I'm curious, so who's the audience actually? Yeah, you know, when we speak to not just taking a look at sort of our users, but also, you know, in February of 2023, just a few months ago, um, I actually went to Costa Rica and Mexico myself and met with uh, 30 retreat operators all over those two countries and and was asking them exactly that question. You know, what what do you see in terms of signups? And I think, you know, maybe the best uh, encapsulation of that was uh, was a retreat operator said, it's sort of a third, a third, a third. You know, you've got a third of the participants who are coming because they've got, you know, a, a clinical issue that they can't shake, um, okay. and you know, sort of last resort kind of thinking. And it might be, you know, severe clinical depression, uh, mm-hmm. pharmaceutical mm-hmm. resistant, uh, could be addiction. Uh, you've got another third for whom it's not exactly, you know, an acute situation, but they're kind of stuck. You know, they're yeah. suffering from anxiety, depression. Mm-hmm. They might be on SSRIs, but uh, you know, wouldn't say that it's not being helped, but they're looking for something to help better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with, with greater sort of longevity to, to the support. Uh, and then there's a third who are looking for sort of personal growth, right? It's all about, oh, okay. you know, learning, you know, you know, how do I sort of make, you know, optimize my brain is probably a good way to think about it. Okay. Um, and from a demographic perspective, they were almost all universal, um, you know, sort of late thirties to early fifties, female, um, you know, probably if I was going to sort of design what that typical user and consumer yeah. would look like, female um, has at least a kid at home, maybe maybe a couple, married to somebody like me, which brings its own intrinsic challenges, um, <laughs> and uh, and and you know they're just looking for they're kind of stuck in their lives, their career isn't really giving them mm-hmm. a lot of, you know sort of uh, sort of lift or purpose, um, and they just feel like they're missing something, so uh, so they're looking okay. to this as as an alternative. 
and and fresh minds and I, I know the business model also but I, I don't want to put words in your mouth for people listening and, and watching us so it really brings together this audience and the different retreats that you vet so people can look for the criteria and you know I don't know the geography the type of psychedelics tell me a bit more about the platform itself yeah so the platform you know part of the when we started a few years ago um, we were building um, sort of a resource for all things psychedelics. So mm -hmm, you could mm -hmm. find a lot of great, you know, sort of a library of deep information mm -hmm. um, about the different compounds, about the science that's coming out, about, you know, different applications. We had, you know, what I colloquially, colloquially call drug dealers with websites, uh, you know, who were <laughs> clients of ours and they're, you know, online dispensaries for whom you can, you can purchase. We had ketamine clinics. Um the well, we didn't really see a, a an opportunity in that business model to bring all that content on. It's actually done a great service for us because as we focus in on the retreats specifically, so many users who are coming to you know to learn more about retreats and see what's available, yeah. mm -hmm. they don't have that great sort of foundational knowledge about what psychoactive compounds are even available. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I hear a lot about ayahuasca, but there's so many more. And the proponents of Bufo or, you know, 5-MeO-DMT, like, they will all say, well, hey, don't forget about us because actually this is also a very powerful psychoactive. We can yeah. also help you with a litany of issues. Um, so don't get stuck on sort of psilocybin. Um, and I think all this great content that we're bringing to the table uh, from that earlier version of Fresh Minds, it's just sort of serving to educate that user and, and make them more qualified in what it is that they're looking to accomplish and where to, where to get that information. Yeah, that's uh, that's wonderful because I remember when I looked myself to find the psycho psychedelic retreat, I knew okay, I wanted psilocybin, I knew I wanted Canada, and you know, like there were not a lot of things popping up, you know. So it's it's very helpful to have this bird eye view of the different type yeah. of medicines, different location, and, and the value you can get. So 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 why do you think um, psychedelic retreats are such an important part of the uh, overall psychedelic industry? I think that for the consumer who is attracted to them, it's a natural sort of evolution from a lot of activities that they're probably engaged in already. So when I think about that, you know, that suburban mom kind of user that, mm -hmm. that, that we know is sort of driving uh, interest in the retreat, they tend to be the same folks who are interested in going for a yoga retreat or holistic mm -hmm. therapy, you know, breath work. Um, it's not just about going to the yoga studio two days a week. It's about making it part of your identity. It's really sort of core to who you are. And insofar as sort of the psychoactives, you know, are, are a tool to help you reach those goals, um, we can see how, you know, that group is interested in turning it into, into an experience, into a vacation. You know, yeah. they're, they're looking mm -hmm. not just to have that, that, you know, sort of psychoactive experience at home or, you know, under a therapist guise, but, but really to sort of immerse themselves. Um, in all of the different sort of modalities and holistic therapies that are on offer there. Um, and, you know, that's only going to continue. We've seen it grow substantially. Everybody I spoke to uh, in Costa Rica and Mexico, you know, there was really one common thread. We're growing, we're adding buildings, we're adding sessions, you know, yeah. we're adding therapists yeah. because the demand is so great. We're booked up for six months. We just can't keep up. Yeah, oh, that's uh, that's wonderful, and it's interesting because you see different type of crowd in the sense that you know the psychedelic renaissance was coming a lot from the Silicon Valley folks, which were really using psychedelics as performance enhancement. 
while you see that crowd, which is more really looking for therapeutic growth type of, you know, enhancement, very different demographic, very different goals, and probably very different way to go at it. Because I think the Silicon Valley folks were really like microdosing a lot. Yes, yeah. going to retreat, but it was more like corporate retreat, was not really wellness retreat, you know, like right. you were uh, doing a Ayahuasca to uh, get better results and get to a billion dollar valuation faster, kind of, right. you know. Right. So right. it's it's very interesting to see that uh, change or evolution in the demographic and it being uh, most, more mainstream, you know, like yeah. it's it's more gentrification versus a renaissance, you know. I think that's very well put. Yeah, it, it's definitely normalizing. And I think, you know, part of what we want to accomplish in Fresh Minds, which, you know, should you, should you make your way to the site today, it doesn't currently do. This is in our in our plans for uh, for the rest of 2023. We know that we need to rebuild um, our interface with our users so that they can get to those answers that they need quickly. There's so much information and there's yeah. so much inhibition. Um, you know, I think about sort of that new user who's maybe come along and tried psilocybin once, maybe with a trip sitter, maybe with some friends. And to then make the leap that, you know, over a period of time that I'm going to go travel often by myself yeah. to a faraway land with people who are, you know, at a time when I'm going to be very vulnerable, yeah. working with people whose credentials I don't know, I've never met them before. Are they going to be professional? Or are they going to take care of me in, in my hour of need? That's, you know, there's a lot of questions there that somebody really needs to to gain a lot of confidence in before they would, you know, put down what's not an insignificant amount of money and and, and make well. that trip. So what we know that we need to do is really just help them along that journey. Right? So, you know, what is the decision tree and what credentials mm-hmm. can we look at and, and what are the things that they should know to ask uh, yeah. before they arrive? So yes. they feel really confident with the decision. Yeah. Before I registered for my trip, my husband was worried. I was worried about the money. He was worried about, okay, these guys are going to fuck up your brain. Are you sure? You know, like they're really qualified and, you know, like, so I have to say that I did my homework. So I was, I was confident and probably less, um, scared, I guess, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So while Mm -hmm. he's probably more conservative and he was very worried, he's like, okay, is she going to come up, you know, like, uh, with, uh, some, some, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. So it, it was very interesting to see his perspective, which was very different from mine. But I think you pointed out it's probably the amount of money, but also are these people qualified? And, you know, you vet a lot of, uh, you know, the retreats and all of that. So that's probably giving a bit of a seal of approval. Maybe you should start your own certification, you know, like there is something that uh, people would... Uh, probably enjoy knowing that it's a five-star uh, from yeah. Fresh Minds, you know? Um, that's that's something we're thinking about. And, you know, on a on a side note, in my travels in Costa Rica, I won't I won't specify who, I don't know if they'll want me to share, but there's a there's a movement amongst retreat operators in Costa Rica to, you know, to form an association potentially and you yes. know it helps them in sort of mm-hmm. ad- advocacy with the government. And I think one important aspect of that should these associations really start sort of coming together is a is a, a you know kind of a a universal um standardization or sort of mm-hmm. seal of approval that you know no matter what you know we're all going to operate a little bit differently with different psychoactives um but we're all going to agree that at the very least we're all offering this you know yeah. it might be integration in sort of a formalized yes. way it might mm-hmm. be you know sort of standardized care or certifications on site whatever it is 
I think that'll go a long way to helping sort of alleviate that concern. Whereas today, yeah. everybody's sort of operating differently. And as a consumer, you're kind of like, well, you know, they're not all created equal. Which one is exactly. better than the other? I really have no way of knowing. Exactly. That that makes so much sense. So uh, as you started, you know, digging in her world of psychedelic uh, retreats, uh, what's your prize due there? I'm sorry, what, what's my... What's your prize due? You know, I'm sure you had some... Uh, Aha uh-huh, and ho oh, oh, moment uh, as you were uh, really digging into this uh, world of uh, of retreat. Yeah, I think you know what what comes to mind immediately is is you know obviously the importance of integration as part of that experience. Yeah. Um, but the fact that everybody is doing that a little bit differently, everybody speaks to to the importance of it, so that's kind of universal. But uh, in some cases, you know, integration is a formal part of the, the program. You know, you do it sort of immediately after your, your ceremonies. It will continue long after you've gone home, yeah. and you know, if it, business business aside, because there's obviously cost to supporting those yeah. those initiatives. Yeah. Um, you know, if I was to speak to a therapist, uh, you know, sort of what they would see as being most beneficial for the for the client, yeah. uh, it probably is a fairly long term engagement on a one to one basis, just to make sure they've really absorbed everything that they experienced. And I think that that's it's something that's a little bit uneven today. There's, there's some who are, you know, everyone's speaking about it, but, but some are doing it differently than others. And as, as fresh minds as a marketplace, we're just a reflection on the industry. We don't sort of take a position as to which one is better or or worse. Um, And I think there's a lot of subjectivity there, but, but I definitely see some differences there, which are, which are important for our consumer to know. I, you know, I, I agree with you. We tend to focus on the ceremony and, while actually it's obviously an important part of a process, but the integration is really what makes everything come together. And uh, I'm not sure every participants understand that. Um, Sometimes people are just like, okay, I'm doing my trip and then I come back right back where I was. And there is no, not much um, afterthoughts linked with uh, with the integration. But it's interesting you mentioned, you know, like what a medical professional might suggest. You know, there's just they have no clue more than anyone else. You know, and it's right. it's very funny. The more I work with uh, psychedelic, the more I realize people are so attached to the medical system. But, you know, I would rather trust a shaman who's been, <laughs> you know, working with psychedelic compound for 20 years than right. maybe someone who's graduated from uh, Harvard Medicine because they never touched that. It was not even in their curriculum. But yeah. still, we get very attached to what MD is going to tell us in that. And is it something you see as well? Yeah, it's very funny to me. Oh, I, I mean, it's it's something that I live. I, I'm not, you know. I wouldn't have come to the medicine myself um, mm-hmm. if not for, you know, entering it through fresh minds and sort of speaking to everybody. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm kind of North American Western medicine, treat the symptom, not the yes, problem exactly. you know, yeah. for everything. That's just kind of the culture that I grew up in. Yeah. And it took me a while um, to really accept. But when you keep hearing over and over and over again, every retreat operator that I would meet just, their journey to the to the medicine, like how they ended up doing what they're doing, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. you know the afflictions that they were able to overcome themselves, yeah. um, and the you know the fantastic testimonials from the guests over and over and over again. Yeah. After a while, you realize that you know, kind of like you said, Peggy, that that you know this this knowledge which has been passed down for for generations and centuries, millennia, um, 
it can't be nothing, right? I mean, it can't, it's too easy to dismiss these things because you come from a different sort of mindset, but the, the testimony is too compelling. You know, I, I think of, okay. uh, again, I won't say the name because I don't know if she'd be comfortable with it, but I met an operator in Costa Rica who had multiple sclerosis and paralyzed and she was blind and was doing stem cell therapy at the same time. So certainly that had that had an impact, but, uh, but found ayahuasca and went on a journey and is in complete remission and is now being called to, to speak about her, uh, her experience. And I said, you know, if ayahuasca was even 1% responsible for this, rem- for this remission and stem cell therapy gets credit for the other 99, yeah. it's still transformative uh, yeah. for Western medicine. It still brings you into a completely different paradigm. And I think at this point, from what I've seen, there must be truth to it. Yes, yes. You know, at some point, you have enough anecdotal data over centuries to your point to, you know, maybe uh, go in a direction. I know that it's not to your point over Western minds has been conditioned, but uh, because we like expert, we like diploma, we like our certifications, you know. That's right. But uh, the reality is that, uh, you know, there is a bigger world out there outside, uh, outside of that. Um, so I'd love to hear your perspective on where you think uh, the psychedelic industry as a whole is going. Um, you know, what does it mean for patients, the healthcare system? We spoke a bit about the, the Western uh, mindset and the Western medicine. What's what's your perspective? Because you're, you're very deep in the space. Sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, the growth is going to continue. And at some point, I, I have to believe, and this, this might be a little naive of me to say, but, but I, I, I hope I'm not wrong, that the science will dictate how the industry will, will develop, right? And, and you know, I, I think of that recent, you know, episode of the John Oliver show where you're sort of talking about, you know, we've been here before and the science was equally compelling 50 years ago as it is yeah. now. Um, we can't lose our way and allow, you know, that, that progress to be corrupted. And I think that's a very, really well thought out point. Um, the science is generally sort of pointing in one direction um, across, you know, entheogens. And I think, you know, how the industry will develop is still a little bit of a question mark. I, mm-hmm. I you know, having come from cannabis and I sort of use that as a yardstick, I think for the consumer, it will inevitably be very different. You know, I, I, I live in Canada, obviously, and I can walk out the, the door and see three shops selling yeah. cannabis, most, most of them losing money and failing, unfortunately, exactly, but, uh, yeah. but, but, but widely available. I can't really see that ever taking place uh, with with psychoactives. I think it is a different, it's a different compound with different purposes, um, mm-hmm. and the integration component of it being so important, um, it just doesn't lend itself to me to be sort of consumer retail. Um, but I do think that as the science is proven out and pharmaceutical products reach market, uh, having you know having sort of passed through trials, um, that is going to open up a, a, a lot of minds that. Previously, we're sort of turned off. Uh, there's not an insignificant part of the population, as there was in cannabis, who will say, hey, listen, I'm open to anything, but as long as it's illegal, I'm not participating at all. Yeah. Um, and I think those those folks will flip very quickly, and I think it will just continue to sort of grow from there. So yeah. I'm hoping that uh, we, our belief certainly is that retreats will continue to be mm-hmm. um, you know, a core part of the experience. Um, they're almost a different they're almost a different animal, you know, and like I said, you know, you can practice yoga at home or you yes. can go for a yoga retreat. And I think that experiential component, um, immersing yourself in the ceremony and the tradition, um, I expect that as more and more people come to plant medicine, you know, sort of just in their, their day-to-day lives, that they will then translate into more and more people becoming interested in taking a journey like that. 
Yeah, and you know, like you, you mentioned that at the beginning of a conversation, but I think the, the network effect, you yeah. know, I, I just see it around me between people going to retreats, you know, microdosing. They might not be necessarily vocal about it outside their close network because to yeah. your point, it's still illegal, whatever that means, you know, like because again, you know, uh, alcohol is legal. Is it very good for you? Definitely not. But, you know, no. that's, uh, that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> but, but I do see more and more people being comfortable because their friend, their neighbors, their sister, their whoever has been doing it with great results. So they're like, wow, well, you know, why not? Why not do it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think, to, to your point, it's just gonna, it's just gonna grow. Same people doing it multiple times and doing it with more people. So it's, it's a, it's a good spot for you to, to be in. Um, you know, we're already almost out of time. Do you have any parting words, anything you want to uh, share with, uh, with the audience listening and, and watching you today? Yeah, I think, I think the only thing that I would say is that, um, you know, that consumer market, which, you know, sort of the early days, um, we're still in early days, but the very early days in psychedelic sort of, you know, investment and understanding and sort of placing bets and figuring out where things are going to move. I think that the consumer angle, because, you know, nobody had really sort of moved to a legalized environment, it was just sort of, you know, put aside. Um, and what we're seeing is that there's a not insignificant amount of opportunity emerging on the consumer and, uh, you know, I think that it's as it's in many ways it's as important to grow, you know, that element of the industry as it is to to build out the next uh, the next great drug product, uh, the next yeah. great pharmaceutical. Um, and I'd encourage people to think a little bit more broadly about where uh, where those opportunities in psychedelics will emerge and how to touch as many people as you can today, as opposed to you know three, five, and ten years from now. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that's a great point because why wait ten years? You know, and right. I understand to your point, there is also the, the legality aspect. People have this Western mind and they're like, okay, I want it to come from AstraZeneca or Roche. But, you know, I'm like, okay, my life, you know, I'm not going to live 200 years. And if I can do it 10 years early, if I can do it now, versus in 10 years, just because now it's legal and now I have Roche selling it to me for 10 times the price on their doctor prescription. You know, I think it's, an, at least for me, it's a very easy choice, you know. But yeah. you know what? Five, ten years ago, I would have probably been like most people thinking, well, no, if it's not legal and if it's not coming from a big pharma, I'm not going to touch it. So yeah. it's exactly, I think there is a bit of uh, personal work that maybe need to happen um, and maybe critical thinking to understand what does it mean for anything to be legal? Yeah. And, and I think that's 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 incumbent on myself and fresh minds as it is on many others in the industry that uh, you know whatever we can do to educate um, to bring the science forward to bring you know testimonials forward to just make people feel more comfortable uh, that they're making a good decision there is uh, it's, it's incumbent on all of us really to just try to build this out and and make as many people as comfortable with it as we can. Exactly. Well, thank you so, so much, John, for coming, talking about Fresh Minds. We're going to put in the comments the link of uh, of the website. It's Fresh Minds without an E for everyone uh, who don't want to look at the comments. And uh, if you want to read uh, the highlights, it will be on my Substack, so you can check out uh, that as well. So thank you so much for uh, watching, for listening, and thank you again, John, for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Peggy. It was a pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to a microdose diet. If you enjoyed this week's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. For other helpful resources, you can visit my website, themicrodosediet.com.